This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 210 and we're talking ethical denim, building an ethical denim brand with the founder of Outland Denim, James Bartle. It's going to be a fascinating deep dive into not only his personal journey as the founding, founding CEO of Outland Denim, uh, but also into how uh, that journey led him to realise that business was going to be his best chance to tackle a uh, an, a human social injustice uh, on a monumental scale, uh, one that is particularly important to him personally, and that is human trafficking. Um, but we're also going to look at uh, the denim industry and how to construct a business that actually looks after everyone in the chain, uh, as well as our beautiful planet in the way that you put that garment together. Uh, so it's really a really fascinating discussion. And I think James has a very level and balanced head uh, considering all the different aspects of what is important, what is truly sustainable, uh, and how we protect fashion economy uh, on this road to becoming more transparent, more ethical, buying better pieces, buying less, etc. Uh, and I'm I'm forever impressed with this company and the incredible resources they share in their newsletter every week, as well as the beautiful pieces that they add to their range. Uh, so enjoy the show. I want to introduce you to our new sponsor this month, uh, as we are now kicking into November. I can't believe it. Uh, but it is a new sunscreen, a low-tox sunscreen on the market, Mother SPF. This sunscreen was born out of necessity when a few years back uh, the founder's mother was diagnosed with cancer and uh, being the excellent daughter that she is, she decided to uh, comb the desert for everything she could possibly find that might be contributing to either the cause of that cancer or, um, you know, contributing to toxicity while her mother was undergoing treatment. Of course, that led her to look at her skincare products, sun care products, and uh, in trialing a few different mineral sunscreens, she didn't find one she liked. So as is often the case for someone starting a business, she started it herself and uh, employed the very best green cosmetic scientist, a TGA licensed manufacturer, and Mother SPF came to life this year. I have personally tried it. I think it's a beautiful sunscreen. Uh, I'm a big fan of getting natural, no sunscreen uh, exposure to get our vitamin D at safe times during the day, depending on where you live in the world. And that's going to be different for everyone. There are some really nifty apps to help you decipher that. But of course, uh, I'm also uh, extremely conscious that we live under a very harsh sun here in Australia specifically. 
Uh, many of us have European descendancy who live here. Uh, and I'm not saying this is unique to Europeans. Everyone should um, use sunscreen and consult with their practitioners and doctors as to how much, how often, and what various levels of danger you might have uh, with sun exposure. Um, but I know I get burnt and getting burnt is no good. Think about your steak uh, being um, grilled and the Maillard effect, that caramelization. We are literally being caramelized and that is not good for us. So we want good sun protection and kind of like with shampoo and deodorant, sometimes sun care takes us two or three goes to find the brand that we're really going to sit with and love. And I definitely urge you to pop Mother SPF in your exploration phase to find the perfect sunscreen for you because it really is right up there with one of the best ones I've ever tried. And all month you have free shipping, uh, which is a considerable discount if you think about what buying something online and uh, bringing it in costs, usually around 6 to $10. So a saving of 6 to $10 on one product is huge and a wonderful way to try this great new brand. So your code is LOTOX SHIPPING and their website is motherspf.com. That's it. Really easy. I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait to see uh, people sharing it on Instagram, letting me know what you think of the texture. I'm a big fan and uh, I'm thrilled to have another player on this wonderful sun care low-tox market. I want to welcome all of our new Lotox Club members. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed settling into the club this last month in our beautiful Facebook group where there's always just such an encouraging, empowering vibe in there. Also in uh, the uh, club dashboard, which you receive exclusive Lotox Club uh, discounts for our courses. You get 50% off all the Lotox courses all year round. And in the dashboard, you get a little topic every single month that's just for clubbers, including often we do special interviews uh, that are just for the clubbers where they're very Q&A based. Uh, Last month we had Grow Something Anything as our theme in the club and just last week in the club I released for the clubbers a Q&A with a wonderful um, veggie gardening specialist Kirsty Alf down in, in Victoria. Uh, on all things getting up and running and success for your veggie garden. Uh, And so it's just wonderful to provide these extra resources as a thank you to you guys for joining the club and supporting our business in continuing to do our work. It's a beautiful partnership, I find, when uh, people join the club. So it's only $49 Australian a year, which if you're in the US or Europe, that makes it kind of 28 to 31 euro or US dollars, uh, depending on what the exchange rate's doing. Uh, So I keep it very low cost because I want everybody to feel like they can be a part of it. Uh, And the wonderful thing about that small paywall is we don't get any trolls in our group. It's actually just a beautiful, positive place to be. And no matter what your... what your leanings might be in current debates around the world going on in health topics or how to eat, etc. We all come together where we overlap. And I think that's hugely important. Uh, I feel that that's a really important thing to me as a leader in this space to remind each other how much we have in common constantly and work from there. Uh, and it's always such a pleasure. We all, we all have so much in common in this world. That's what makes me so sad. 
the the idea that we would all try to create others and be better than others or more worthy than others uh, makes me very sad. There's plenty of pie for everyone. And so in this club space, it's a really beautiful, supportive community and uh, there's no one coming in and hating on us. And uh, I think um, one of my favourite things is uh, just the engagement and uh, encouragement that people have for each other in there. So I invite you to join. Uh, You can join by just hitting the uh, Lotox Life website, lotoxlife.com, and in the Explore tab you'll see Join the Club as the very first option. Uh, This month our club theme is all about tea and we're looking at teas to support our health goals, uh, teas to support our mental health, and, uh, you know, things like uppers, downers, uh, stimulants for memory, uh, it's, it's often very useful towards the end of the year. And uh, so the ebook has dropped in the club dashboard. Um, and uh, you get access to all the past months, by the way, if you join at any point. So come on in and join us. And I look forward to seeing you there. So I'm going to leave my intro there and now swing over to this wonderful, inspiring conversation with James Bartle, the founding CEO of Outland Denim. Enjoy. Hello, James. How are you? I'm really well. How about yourself? I'm super well, thanks. And I am very excited to kick off our deep dive this month into ethical, sustainable fashion uh, with yourself from Outland Denim. And I was thinking about how we might start this interview. And I reckon it's, uh, it's a pretty good question to ask you as I was sort of researching. And the film Taken was actually, you know, good old Liam Neeson and his action movies. Uh, It was a segue we never saw coming in that career, but there he (laughs) took it and he flourished. Um, How did that film speak to you in such a way that you thought, I know, I'll start a jeans company? (laughs) Well, it probably didn't have the impact of I'll start a jeans company immediately after watching it. But what the film did do was it, it was the first time I was made aware of of the reality of human trafficking and the fact that it was a real issue that that we were facing around the globe. And I know the film's fictional, and um, uh, you know it was it was the script at the end that that just said that these things were still occurring around the world. And I just couldn't believe that we were still here. And I thought you know slavery was had been abolished you know um, a few hundred years earlier. And so it just showed how naive I was. Um, but that really just set me on the journey to discovering more and learning about the issue, um, which has led us to today. Mm, It's interesting, isn't it? Because we learn about slavery in our history books, if we're lucky. I mean, we look at Australian slavery and that wasn't even in our history books until extremely recently did that come on the radar for us Aussies. So um, so it's, it's a travesty almost that we go through the whole of our education not understanding that this is still a current problem. And yeah, sorry, I'll just cut yeah. you off there. No, no. That's what's um, unfortunate is that because we haven't been educated about the reality of slavery, that which is so deeply entrenched into our history, um, we do lack empathy for um, for those um, people groups that have been at, that have suffered at the hands of of other people groups and so i i'm you know quite um passionate about the idea that we we need to be able to break through some of these things before we can really have this 
um, this, if you want to call it healing, um, to where we, we all do treat each other as equals. Um, but unfortunately, um, that's not what we're experiencing at the moment. And there's a lot of hard work to do um, in the educational process for us to be able to get to that place of understanding of each other and where we've come from and why we see the world the way we see it. Mm, I so agree. And one of the things that fascinates me is the people that want to perpetuate a system of inequality play the card on people's fears that things are going to be taken away from them if other groups start to thrive equally. And it's the biggest sociological misnomer. And yet here we are with leaders around the world still perpetuating that myth. Uh, so what I find beautiful about what you've chosen to do is you've chosen to play your part in changing that story through business. And business is one of the most powerful ways we can change stories. Uh, so tell me about how you then started to put this business together with, with that um, that early realization in mind. Yeah, sure. Well, my wife, she's, um, she's a brilliant researcher, a journalist by trade. And so um, she was at the movies with me the night we watched the Liam Neeson film. And um, we were both obviously moved by it. But, um, you know, she spent the next uh, a few years doing research and informing me more about the issue. And um, it just started to really take root in, I guess, in my heart that I I wanted to be a part of the solution until eventually one day I had the opportunity to travel with a rescue agency through Southeast Asia. And it was on that trip that I, I saw a, a young girl for sale. And um, to be honest, Alex, it was a, um, it was a life altering moment for me. Um, I realized not everybody witnesses something like that, but just seeing her and the, and the fear and intimidation that she was under was, was horrifying and heartbreaking and, you know, these emotions that go through you when you see something like that. I mean, the first instinct is I'm going to go over there and rip her away and run, you know, and, and take her to somewhere where she's safe. And, um, you know, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come back and I'm going to start eradicating these kinds of humans from the planet. And, you know, you, you're irrational in the way that you think um, about a solution. And um, it's not until you really start to understand the reality of the problem and, uh, again, how deep rooted it is, you know, where these people have come from and, you know, what's the foundation they're working off um, to find that so many of them find, end up in, in slavery of some form, exploitation of some form. Um, and so I guess that was the moment when it really struck me as I, I'm committed. Okay. I don't know what it looks like exactly, but I'm committed. And um, we continued to travel through Asia. Um, we then entered Cambodia. And when we entered Cambodia, there was a big difference from Thailand where I'd seen this young girl. Um, their poverty was, was um, far more prevalent than um, the areas that I'd been to so far. It was um, very obvious to see that, um, you know, the, the genocide that had occurred uh, nearly, I think, 40 years earlier um, still had a deep impact on society. Uh, you can't meet somebody that wasn't directly impacted in some way from it. Um, so it was really confronting for me and I, I, I wanted to be able to, to help. And um, the research that we'd, we'd done and continued to do was just indicating that really, if you really want to create genuine change, it's not going to come through aid and welfare. Keeping in mind, um, my attitude at that time was very much about 
probably coming from that angle of, you know, just give them money, just give them whatever you can to give them a brighter future. <clears throat> but well, that's the dynamic we understand, right? It is. It's like, oh, if I donate, I'm a good person, I'm helping a good cause. That's right. And, and you know, I think it goes deeper than that for us too. You know, I think we, we genuinely want to donate. Of course. We genuinely want to help. Um, but unfortunately, um, this, this model, it creates, it creates genuine um, dependency on people like us. And, and what that does is that, that, that forms this hierarchy of, um, you know, a place in the world for a human. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I stand over you because I have to donate to keep you, keep you alive. Or, you know, I'm a good person because I'm earning this money to give to you. Yet I think the thing that we've forgotten is that actually we're, we're really a big part of the problem to why so many of these people who find themselves being exploited like this are in that position um, because of the lifestyle we live here in our country. If we talk about fashion, Alex, we, you know, we can easily line up, you know, our desire for cheap fashion, cheap clothing so that we can spend money on other things or we can change colors in the jeans that we wear every week um, to um, our lifestyle being directly impacting those people. And I think when we step back and we look at the reality of our our choices and the way we spend our money, the expectations we have on the products we consume um, and the price point that we're prepared to pay for those products. We actually realize that our donation is only offsetting us um, exploiting them in the first place. So there has to be a better way. Yeah. So interesting, isn't it? It's like they're not many people perhaps have been lifted out of technical slavery, uh, but they're still slaves to a system in a way. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's no question. And it's hard to swallow sometimes, you know, uh, and I think back to pre having the, the, the opportunity to be exposed to some of the things I've been exposed to over the last 10 years and to my mindset. And, you know, I would have classified myself as a, um, you know, a person who would want to help as much back then as I do today. Absolutely. No question. Um, my heart hasn't really changed. I'm still the same guy that wants to be part of the solution. But back then I wasn't educated to the realities of actually how much of a part of the problem I was with my mindset, with the way I lived my life, the things I consume, the things I support. Um, and, and it's only now, you know, all these years later, having been, you know, working on it for so long that I realized that actually the system we've built Western culture on a lot of the time, there's so much good stuff and there's so much amazing stuff. But a lot of the time is actually contributing to some of the greatest atrocities that are happening around the world. If we talk about social injustices or environmental degradation, you know, they can be directly linked back to the lifestyle that we've become accustomed to. But I think there's good news at the end of all of that as well, Alex. I don't think that that's a, that's a full stop or, or, you know, that... Oh, gosh, no. Bad. You know, actually what it highlights is, is as we become exposed to that there is a better way, now the creativity of mankind and the opportunity that arises as a result of this is really exciting for us to be able to go, okay, this generation, our generation is going to be one of the generations that really draws a line in the stand and marks history as things are going to change. We're not going to just be okay with it being done the way it's always been done. We're going to find better ways. Um, we're going to rebel against the system for want of a better word, um, not for the sake of rebelling or not for the sake of not being compliant, 
but for the sake of going, okay, the system can be improved, let's improve it, or it just doesn't work, let's change it. And I think that's really where Outland Denim comes from is, you know, we just so deeply desire freedom for people, freedom for you and I in our country, freedom for those who work within our supply chains. And I believe that it's genuinely possible and I believe that business is the avenue that we're going to have the greatest impact through industry touches every single life on this planet. And if we use it in a really smart and powerful way, then my gosh, the future could look different. Mm, it really could. And, uh, and I think it's what's interesting to, I think, uh, sorry, I'm interested to ask you, obviously you had that uh, human trafficking um, awakening at the very start of things. And you mentioned that your wife was a journalist and I'm interested to see how things unraveled from there because often there's whatever gateway awakens someone's curiosity. For me, it was the food system and looking at packets and ingredients and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, uh, what is all this stuff? How is it made? Where is it grown? What is this packet made from? And just really exploded for me in my brain. But then came environmental impacts and environmental toxins and all these sorts of things. Did you guys, as you started to think, let's start a business, what could that business be? Let's do fashion. Then looking at cotton farming ethics and dye toxicity and logistics chains and like, was it just this, oh my gosh, where does it end? You know what I think the beauty, Alex, is that in the beginning you don't realise that what you're getting into is so complex. Um, you know, I realised in the beginning I don't think I would have um, started. You know, it would have been so overwhelming. Mm. Look, when we started it simply because I had this picture of this young girl, you know, in my mind it was so powerful um, and I've met so many more. I just want to and even today, you know, I've told this story tens of thousands of times probably, but I, um, I still feel the emotion of picturing that young girl for sale like it's like holy shit like how like how um and that's all it was there was nothing more to it it was i'm gonna help i love denim um you know i think jeans is the ultimate product on this planet and the reason i think it's the <laughs> ultimate product it honestly it has this unique ability from a beautiful pair of jeans has a, the ability to nearly like absorb history um, you know, they, that's like a song, you know, you don't want to throw your old pair of jeans out. You put them on, they remind you of something or some a time in your life. And I think if you want to change the world with something, you know, there's nothing greater than a product like that to do it with. You know, everybody that wears these jeans, especially when we're talking about beautiful products, beautiful jeans crafted in the way that these ones are, um, they're meaningful to every individual customer that puts them on. And our goal is that that brings that customer on the journey because we don't, we can't change anything without you. You know, it's the customer that is the ultimate decision maker on creating this change. It's not us. It's not the retailer. It's that person that goes, I'm going to try this product out, but it's only going to work if we have beautiful products that people want because of the product. Um, I guess that's what's unique about this in comparing it to, um, charity, a charity model is that this is a business and it's a business that is here designed to create impact at every level, not just the economic level. That's important too, but the social and environmental levels have to be measured. And so starting on the journey, we, we realized the social impact of, um, of what this could mean. You know, it could change people's lives. Did we know it would go as deep and as wide as it has gone? We had no idea in the beginning. It was about that individual person. And as we got further into it, we realized that, man, like if you give this opportunity with 
the, the, the other elements, the tools that these people need, the change that happens is astonishing. I mean, uh, one really quick story is this young lady that um, built uh, a home for her family. Um, is, is my favorite story because I think it just represents so much about how Outland Denim doesn't change their lives. They change their lives. I think that's the key we need to mm. keep remembering. Well, lady, what you're talking with... about, hold on just one sec. What okay. we're talking about here is the teach Amanda Fish parable. That's really what this is about. And when you teach a skill and you empower, then people can sustain themselves and feel proud and independent. And that is, for me, uh, a far greater impact than giving a man a fish. It absolutely is. And you said independence, and I think that's the key. It's, it's giving um, these people their independence and therefore watching them work hard and get results like this young lady and many others have had since building a home for her family that previously lived under a tarpaulin, a plastic sheet. Um, that in itself is a massive milestone for somebody who's come from being exploited to learning this skill, to becoming a section leader. So leading other people within our team, building a home for her mum, her dad, her siblings. They now have safety, especially in monsoon season um, when, it's, when it's flooding and it's wet. And, you know, I mean, I've personally had dengue fever from being over in Cambodia. And, you know, there's lots of those kinds of um, issues that they face, um, but they're now able to close themselves up in this beautiful home. Amazing. But goes on to buy her sister back um, out of slavery. As oh, well. wow. And, you know, to us, that's, that's a movie. Like, you could write a movie on this girl's life. Um, but that's unfortunately... When's it coming out? Give Liam yeah. a call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, unfortunately, that's, that is a, that's a very common story in the places we're working in. And unfortunately, we probably haven't realised soon enough the ability we have to use industry to challenge this very problem. It's not just those that have been exploited um, for sex or for labor. I mean, I could tell you certain horrific stories about um, our staff that have been taken and sold into other countries for the purpose of sitting in garment factories to produce things that we want cheaper. Um, horrific stories of teenagers, you know, um, if we really realized back here in, in you know, the, the worlds that we're living in, we would never be part of that. There's no way, no way. But unfortunately, it's so removed. And so I believe that the process of these kinds of businesses and, and the purpose of what you do is to raise the awareness of this, the reality of this issue. Because as more people join in this movement, which is moving at a rapid rate right now, it is growing. It's, it's a really exciting time, I think, you know, to see that, more and more people, even though we're amongst economic uncertainty, are going, I want something different to what we've had. And so we're now on this journey where um, brands like Outland Denim have this very unique opportunity, which we didn't have 10 years ago, but today we have to be able to create a, a real impact on an industry that touches one in six people across the globe. Um, so we go back to denim and we say, this is probably the worst product. It has the worst environmental uh, impact of all the products within fashion. Um, but what if you could take that product into being the hero of fashion, 
the product that people can wear with pride, the product that they take out into their everyday lives, knowing that they've changed someone else's, or in fact, not just someone else's, but families and communities' lives as a result of buying and wearing this product. Um, I think that, that that changes the world. That has the ability to eradicate things like poverty out of communities. Uh, we've seen that it's had impact on communities just simply by people buying our jeans. Yeah. And in the st- at the start, when you were costing up, actually doing right by everyone from the guy or girl who plant the seed right through to the people who make, right through to the people who send, everyone in between, like you would pretty quickly have realised in order to not shaft anyone in that whole chain of people, the product can't be 10 bucks at the end. Were you scared about that? Were you worried uh, from a market perspective about how much it actually costs to have a sustainable business financially? Because that's one of the practicalities Like you can't do good if you go out of business. So it has to be sustainable for you. Um, but uh, something in there must have been like, four, we're going to have to charge what? Yeah. Well, look, um, you know, I wasn't a seasoned businessman um, and probably not the, you know, the smartest guy that's been out there doing this too. I was really just um, a bit of a bull at a gate to begin with, to be honest, because okay. I thought this was how I was going to change things. But as we got into it and we got into the, the nuts and bolts of the business and how are we going to make this sustainable, which was, keep in mind, a few years into this journey too. Like I was mm. running my other business to fund it. Um, people would make even donations. Um, you know, like I would do anything literally to try and make enough money to keep this thing rolling. But as we went, hey, this could actually have a, way greater impact if this becomes a really powerful business and brand we started getting into the nuts and bolts and it was at that point that we realized my gosh the gene we make and the price we're going to need to retail it for to be able to hit all of those targets that you've just mentioned is really high Um, and in fact we wouldn't have the margin that most premium denim brands have in their product nowhere near it Um, really we should be probably priced at around 300 but we're priced around 200 our goal is to make it as, as as accessible as possible. And we realized that $200 isn't accessible for everybody. Um, We wish we could make it accessible for everybody. Um, But that is the price that we pay for being able to um, follow supply chains and try to ensure that everybody's benefited the way they deserve to be. Um, Look, we're not there. Um, We've got a long way to go. There's so much innovation that needs to happen in this space, which is why it's the most exciting industry in the world to be in. You know, there's so much possibility. Um, the, the, the impact and change it can, that can occur just by running a good business is really exciting. So, um, you know, we, if we continue to innovate and, and look for ways, um, one, two, hey, how are we more efficient? So rather than, rather than just go, it just costs this much, can we do things more efficiently that, that improves the, the social and environmental and economic impact of our business? I mean, we've got to monitor that consistently. And I think there is ways that we're consistently working on things. We've got one project in the pipeline, which is we've been working on for years. I mean, a few times I thought we were close to launching it and then it, and then it failed. Um, and, and it's these kinds of things that keep you going. It's like this hope of, but if we could just invent something that did this, you know, man, what would fashion be able to do? Um, which is part of, I guess, our move as a brand to, to, to wanting to incorporate more brands and collaborate to use the power they have to be able to create this change rather than just be this, this one little brand off on its own, um, mm. you know, 
singing on the street corner, you know? Yeah. And I think we've got to say goodbye to every man for himself because it's clearly not working for us. It's not working for anyone politically, uh, societally. Uh, the idea of collaborating, connection, more compassion, more communication. I mean, it's not rocket science to think about how that might make a, a nicer place for us all to live. So I know that you have some cutting edge production techniques that you guys are using to produce your pieces. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Well, it was on the journey that we discovered that, you know, environmentally, um, we had chosen a product which was causing so much devastation. And when we first started, I had no care for it, to be perfectly honest. I, you know, anyone that had raised it with me, I would thought was a tree hugging hippie. I wasn't, I didn't care. Um, but again, not because I was a bad person, but because I was uneducated. I had no idea. Um, but when I saw the impact that our products were having on environments and the direct impact that had on people, I couldn't turn my back any longer. And so we knew we had to change um, our production methods. And that led to us incorporating some incredible technology, cutting edge tech technology that, that um, completely changes the impact of a product um, on the water consumption and then also the chemical choices that we choose to use. And so it does make it difficult, um, you know, we, we choose plant-based or organic-based dyes from the beginning. Now, that's had to come a long way in developing those to be um, uh, to last, not to wash out so quickly, you know. Um, but all the way then through to our cut and sew facilities and finishing in the laser technology, meaning reducing or taking away, in fact, all water used from any processes we use that for, which we can do. We can get stone washing effects using a laser, meaning we don't use pumice stone ah. or water to get the first parts of that effect, which is incredible. Um, we then go to eFlow technology, which blows my mind, this technology, because it uses nanobubbles and mists um, these um, chemicals that we use, which um, as soon as you say chemical, it sounds bad, but keep in mind. Well, no, not all chemicals are bad. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. yeah keep in mind that your, your brain's full of them as well. So. Exactly. I think the word chemical free and striving to be chemical free would be literally yeah. to not exist. Yeah. Ourselves. Exactly. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so then we use these, these, these chemicals um, that, uh, uh, misted over fabric, which means that you're not submerging it in thousands of litres of water. And so we can get up to a 95% water reduction in those processes, um, which, is, which is massive because the washing of denim is, is really harsh. It's not good for the environment. Um, and then we go into ozone technology. And ozone technology is pretty brilliant because, you know, the beautiful um, washed out products that we see and want because we want it to look like it was an old Levi's jean 30 years ago and I've still got it. Um, well, <clears throat> or I found it at the op shop. Um, well, we're able to get those effects um, and those bleaching effects using this ozone. And so what it does is it replaces those really harsh, toxic bleaching chemicals that we use or have been used in the industry in the past. and. Uh, continue to be used um, and those three technologies completely change the the um, the outputs of the negative impacts uh, of the washing process and so they've been big changes the other thing we do on a social level is that um, our staff rotate around the production room they don't just make pockets for the rest of their lives our goal is to equip them so they don't need us and that means that if they learn to make an entire denim gene they can make anything uh, and, and that's what we do. And that slows down production. It takes longer to make a gene because you don't have somebody who can make a back pocket with their eyes closed. 
they actually have to have their eyes open. So it's, you know, it's, it's a um, choice that we've made as a business that this is, this is about trying to create long lasting change. Um, that means equipping people to be independent. Yeah, and there's, there was a fascinating study of factory workers in the 50s. I can't remember what it was called now, this study, but it was really fascinating in that employees who constantly had their work environments tweaked and changed, skills expanded but by minute amounts, uh, would flourish, be happier at work, have better mental health, less negative health impacts. And one of the ways they showed it was by changing the temperature of the factory room floor by two degrees hotter one day, two degrees colder one day. So that was like, so any kind of small change in the workplace makes it a better workplace. So amazing so just as you were saying like about that woman or man not just being a pocket sewer for the rest of their lives like I couldn't imagine anything worse for your human morale than doing just that one thing 10 hours a day um so power to you that's amazing it's fantastic yeah cool yeah no there's a there's a um that we started wanting a woman to make an entire gene in fact you know, um, that was the very first genes we made was we gave a machine to a woman to go back to her house and make a gene. That was the concept in the very initial stages. Uh, we quickly realized that that was a flawed model. <laughs> never yeah. going to work. Never got quality. We never got speed. Um, and in fact, they were isolated and on their own. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we weren't able to, <clears throat> excuse me, we weren't able to, um, introduce educational components into their workday. So um, the, we've worked on this model for 10 years and we still have a long way to go in perfecting it. But what we do know is that if somebody comes and works within this model, that their life will be changed if they choose to. Yeah, beautiful. So good. Um, something else I wanted to ask you was greenwashing is pretty rife in the world of personal care and cleaning products and food, all natural and all that kind of stuff. Is it the same in denim? Are there misnomers around sustainable claims in the in the land of denim? Oh my God, you don't know what you've just opened here. This is <laughs> um, Tell us, yes, yeah. people need to know. Look, the reality is, I think it's I think it's it's criminal. The greenwashing, absolutely criminal. Um, we we've seen major brands getting called out for it recently. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I've had enough um, of watching this happen because, you know, I know the people, I know individually some of the people that have suffered at the hands of manipulation of big brands to consumers so that consumers believe they're part of a solution when in fact they're part of a problem. Um, what you're doing is you're robbing from the needy. Those brands are robbing from those that need help badly. Um, it's a big problem in denim. I walked around. Um, in New York uh, last year, the trade show where all the denim brands sell. And um, I was looking at the statements that brands were making. And as I looked across the room, I saw one particular denim brand that I won't name calling out 100% sustainable. Well, I'm pretty confident that Outland Denim is the most sustainable brand on the planet based on the fact that we measure social, environmental and economic impacts and inputs and outputs. But I know that we're not hundred percent sustainable. And, um, but, but I'm educated to this and mm. most people don't spend their lives reading and learning about sustainability on all those levels. 
Yeah, we, there's a certain element of trust, isn't there? And there has to be. And unfortunately, mm. when brands abuse that trust and, and some well-meaning, good-hearted buyer, retailer, um, consumer reads that statement, they go, excellent. I'm going to just buy this brand because I saw a sign that said it's 100% sustainable. Well, that kind of behavior, as far as I'm concerned, is, is a jailable offense. I honestly think it is that there needs to, we need to come down much harder on marketing and the way that we communicate to our consumers, um, our brand included, like every brand, like we, we cannot misuse um, the trust that they put in us to be representing them. Because at the end of the day, that's what brands do. They represent um, those people to a degree or uh, the values of those that wear them to a degree. So I think that it's a huge responsibility that brands carry and I don't think that, that we've brands, the industry in general, have, have valued um, that privilege enough and therefore greenwashing, in my opinion, it, man, it, it has to go because it's actually stopping the change. It's mm. stopping the change. 100% because if all the consumers out there are thinking, oh, we're good, yeah, we fixed the denim problem, seems to be all good. <laughs> you know, we often just take a brand's word for it, especially the less educated that we are. And I think back to my time in cosmetics and in marketing, and we used to have to grapple with these super stringent, tight wording and reference laws of the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Act. And uh, you could not say, even if there was scientific research to prove that a certain plant active could actually reduce wrinkles, you still couldn't promise that you could reduce wrinkles on packaging. That's how strict skincare ads are. And so, like, why can't we bring some of that strictness to labelling in other industries? I think it's, it's time. It's, it's absolutely time. If we, mm. if we don't, then, hey, we're just saying we're satisfied with what we've got right now. And yeah. We, it doesn't work. So um, what would that say about humanity? Yeah, that's right. Amazing. And so what are some of the things that we should look into? I mean, obviously in a perfect world, everyone's just going to go out and buy Outland denim, I know. But if uh, people are out in the shops and they see, like what are some of the red flag statements that you see made really regularly that people should be actually looking into themselves? Well, I see this one regularly. Um, 95% less water used. Uh-huh. Well, um, that's, that's a miracle. Um, they're the only brand in the world to able to do that because what you're saying to the customer is that, hey, in the production of our fibres and all the processes that go into making this product, 95% less water has been used. Um, well, that's a complete lie. And, and it's, not, it's not just manipulation. It's actually just lying. Um, I talked about one process that uses 95% less water. That's one process. Um, our cotton still uses the same amount of water to grow um, regardless of that process um, it, in that processing. Yeah. So that's one. Um, so the water use one is, is crazy. Certifications are a problem um, because they lead us into a false sense of security. Um, we hear that it might be, you know, I, I don't want to name certification because lots of good that comes from them as well. Um, but but it might just, um, you know, look at one part of the supply chain. And so we could have a supply chain full of slavery and exploitation. Um, yeah. It's organic. This one, one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Organic. That's another great one. Organic. Yeah. You know, I could look, we use organic cotton, but I could easily sit here and debate, um, 
the benefits of conventionally grown cotton over organic. Mm. Um, there is a lot of evidence that says that actually um, we might be better off using conventionally grown cotton. A lot of evidence. Um, Interesting. And, and what, what is that evidence? Well, just on actually the amount of pesticides and sprays that are produced and, and uh, sorry, that are consumed in the production of a bale of cotton, let's say, is so small, yet you can have dry land cotton. Um, so we can grow a dry land, no irrigation. Um, but organic cotton, now to grow organic cotton dry land is very rare. It is done. It's very rare and it's very hard. And so the amount, <clears throat> the production, sorry, capacity of those those lots is really small. And so it just, it's not economically viable. So therefore you need irrigation. Okay, well, where's the water coming from? So we wanna talk about water consumption. Um, well, we can definitely link a lot more water consumption probably, well, we could guarantee a lot more water consumption to a organically grown fiber in cotton probably than a conventionally grown because there's a lot of dry land cotton that is grown. If I'm talking about here in Australia. Uh, in particular, there's a lot of irrigated as well, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, it's just something that people, like you say, people will read organic, oh, it's better. I mean, I, I watched them. But the then news. there still might be slavery or something else, you know. Yeah, it's totally. it's kind of like someone having to go gluten-free and then you see gluten-free on a label and you think, oh, that's great, this yeah. one's good for me. But then yeah. it's full of processed crap and, you know, just because there's one feature doesn't necessarily make it mutually exclusive with all aspects of that thing. Well, I think that's a really good point, Alex, is that we, what we, what we do is we, in marketing, and hey, look, we're, we want to cut through as a brand as well. So our marketing department's looking for that word that cuts through, um, but we exploit words. And um, so we put them on the front of our packaging and we hope that customers see it and, and process it exactly as you've described. Oh, it must be good for me. Oh, it must be a good product. I can feel good about this purchase. Um, when in fact, the rest of the product or the process is used is creating such devastation um, and we're not made aware of it. And that's why I believe that it's got to be a holistic approach. Um, if we talk about environmental, um, you know, for a long time, I've been, I've been saying that I think slow fashion is the devil. Um, I think slow fashion is going to create more problems I know we do it from an environmental perspective, um, but yes, your offset of CO2 because of less production is going to create a massive social um, issue in the countries that produce our clothing. So what happens when people then are forced further into poverty? They're then more vulnerable to being exploited. They're more vulnerable to becoming an actual slave, into slavery. Well, slavery is connected to environmental degradation. And there's an amazing guy named Kevin Bales from the University of Nottingham um, that works in the, the Wrights Lab um, that have done some research around this. And it's incredible, the link between slavery and environmental degradation. So I know that if we're going to change anything about the social or environmental outcomes of our products, they have to be done in the same conversation. It is one in the same. You cannot separate people from planet or planet from people. We are the same. And so brands need to embrace it all or just be okay with the fact that, hey, you're a part of the problem. You're not really contributing anything. And, and Alex, to be honest, I'm getting to the point in this journey where I'm learning enough that I go, it's sad for people that lose businesses and jobs and brands that go under. But I tell you what, this industry needs to clean out because there is a lot of rogues out there that do not care for the people or the planet. And we don't need those in our future. And so 
I am okay with the fact that some of them, unfortunately, are going under, and my heart does go out for those that suffer as a result. But it's time. Now's the time, like never before, to actually create this this momentum that's already there um, to to support brands, food brands, industries. You know these these. You know we would talk about the sustainable. If we, I don't even like the word anymore, but um, uh, sector of fashion is nearly its own category. Uh, it's not denim. It's not shoes. It's you know it's it's nearly its own thing. And um, we've we need that category to be supported and as consumers support it my gosh you'll be surprised what 10 years can do Mm, yeah absolutely and um so but i just want to unpack something just so i understand it better you talked about how slow fashion is not necessarily um the uh, golden child that's going to come in and save the whole industry but if we're all spending more on quality pieces that have ethics shining through the production and um, raw material chains. Uh, how can we keep up <laughs> with spending more and still buying just as much? Well, I think consumerism is the answer. I think uh-huh. that's, I think that's the answer to many of our problems. I mean, you stop buying from us, we we stop innovating. Um, mm. where we put our money into finding solutions to problems, and um, so consumerism is going to be the solution in the future, in my opinion. Um, I, I personally think it's, 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 you know, reasonably simple math where you think about um, the staff that work in the Outland Denim facilities and they're paid living wages, they get these opportunities, they're equipped. So when I buy a product, yes, it's cost more, it's premium product, it's gonna last longer. But I'm equipping these people um, to not need to have every member of the family out there hustling to try and make mm. it survive. So, so we're supporting families, not individuals. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. So more people survive off less quality, yeah. less clothes being made, thus being able to upgrade the quality of the clothes and buy a few less. Absolutely. And yeah. you think about the impact on culture that that can have. What happens when families are able to be together? You know, unfortunately, the garment industry is um, really guilty of separating families, mothers leaving children's infants. If you read the Oxfam report from last year, you know, tear-jerking um, stories in there about the reality for mothers to make our cheap clothing separated from infants. I cannot imagine I have three children and, man, I would die before I would be separated from my kids like that. Um, but they have to, to survive. That's their, that's their contribution. We can change that. That doesn't need to be normal. We just need to pay living wages. We need to create opportunities and industry in the areas they need it, not just take them all to the city. I mean, that's one of the unique things about our businesses. We've set up one of our facilities out in a rural province um, so that families can be together at nighttime after work. They can be together on the weekends. Look at our culture here in Australia. Um, some of the greatest challenges and problems that we see is the breakdown of the family unit. Uh, and an industry has an impact on that. So I think it's really important for us to address that along with all of these many things that need to be addressed in making this a wholesome industry. So interesting, uh, as you're talking about setting up the rural locations for production, I spoke to someone who you are so going to love coming back to listen to that podcast, Teresa Cody, and she's one of the big wigs in North America and Canada in construction. And she talks about how construction is a huge player in actually repairing the planet if we do it right. 
um, and I think it's responsible for something like 70% of the landfill of the last 30 years, the construction industry. So it is huge. And one of the points that she made was as we move from industrial, which is everyone having to go to the city to prosper, we move into the digital age of prospering and we set up more uh, sprawling and satellite uh, village lifestyles where we don't all have to go to these epicentres and high rises um, to prosper. And, uh, and it's so interesting to me when you hear a thought leader like that who's at the forefront of designing whole cities and towns and then you hear it on a micro level of how you're doing it as a business as one fashion brand, uh, you quickly start to see how, yeah, that's the way forward because if you look at what a family unit needs to be happy and prosper and survive and to stay cohesive, uh, they need to be together more and and kids need to feel supported uh, and they need to have their parents around. So it just makes complete sense. Yeah, it does make complete sense. And look, it's easy to be a hypocrite and, you know, fight for these things yet spend six months of my year traveling. Um, Not recently, of course, but um, I think that's got to change too. You know, I think that there's so much about the way business became so fast, has to be done a certain way that um, needs to be altered. And, you know, so much devastation as a result of COVID. But my gosh, so many good things have also come from this, this terrible time in many people's lives. Um, where families are together. I, I mean, my local community, there's so many faces I didn't know existed because we would never see them because mum or dad was off to work every morning and I didn't know they lived here. Now I see families walking together on the weekends and I am walking with my family on the weekend. And, you know, just I, how much happier my own family unit is when my wife and I can be with our children. We have time together as a family, not just her and them or me and them, but, you know, together. And it's just, it's amazing. So, mm. I, I, you know, I know our business has an impact on that for all those people who work within our supply chain. And do you feel like this year of COVID has actually shown you that you can use digital and technology to a much greater advantage and not travel quite so much? Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? It has shown us that. I think there's certain things that, you know, I'm a big believer in face-to-face um, and I I would hate for digital to take away that entirely. Um, I think there's a lot of negative that can come from it too. So I think it's always a happy medium, you know. Um, relationship is what the world is built on and, um, you know, being able to stand across and look someone in the eyes and shake their hand is a really important thing as well. Um, so I just think we just need to monitor it and, you know, work out what really does work, but just work out what our values are first. You know, if we don't know what our values are and what's important to us as a family unit, as a business, as a, as a, as a culture or society, um, then it's very hard to stay on track and we're going to get washed all over the place. Mm, yeah. It's like time for recalibration, I think. It is, yeah, yeah I liken it to taking a few months off alcohol and then you're at yeah. that function and they're offering the cheap red wine and you have a sip and you're like, I never even liked that stuff. You know what I mean? Like just recalibrating, like what do you actually want and need um, to flourish as a business, as a person? And when things ease up again, um, really learning those lessons, moving forward with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So transparency is obviously really important to you. What does it look like to you guys as a brand on a daily basis and the way that you communicate with your customers? Um, look, that's a really interesting um, uh, space to be in, you know, transparency. And, you know, it's been interesting for us to watch, you know, this, the, the older generation, the old school way of communicating versus this idealistic um, concept that would be sitting within my brain and many of my staff's brains of how we want to communicate and just sometimes how you're advised not to don't communicate this don't communicate that and and it's this fear-based thing and and i think that that fear is rooted in um one of the unhealthy parts of culture today and digital media um where we have a cancel culture and so what we've done is we've created this really scary place for brands or individuals to be open and honest and transparent because if we're open, honest, and transparent, um, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Or, or even yeah. we won't even support you anymore. And mm. overnight you're canceled, canceled from the digital world. You know, um, I've watched it happen to, you know, a, a few people over time. One more recently, I don't, don't know them well, but I watched it happen and it looked absolutely terrible. But this particular person I know is somebody who invests so much time and money into helping people on the streets. But what social media don't realize is they just took that person's power away. And so what you actually did was you disadvantaged the already disadvantaged by doing what you've done. You thought you were proving a point, but you actually created a bigger problem. So that's the world we're living in. So it's a really difficult thing for brands to be transparent. But my own personal belief and what our company operates to is one that um, truth and honesty is is one of our core values for our factories and our facilities in Cambodia and where we operate there and then also in our headquarters here in Australia. And I actually think that there's a fantastic opportunity to be able to demonstrate to the world that you're not perfect. If you're able to demonstrate at the same time your intention to improve or be better, it's not as dangerous for you. But unfortunately, it's not easy for brands if we talk about brands to be able to necessarily do that because they have grown up not necessarily thinking about the realities of supply chain impacts of their business decisions and therefore this is new these concepts are new i've had the luxury of 10 years in it and many have had the luxury of their whole lives working in this space and so it's at the forefront of our minds in the every decision we make um, we're thinking about the impact down that supply chain so it's easier for a brand like us. So I don't want to get on a high horse and go, um, you know, if you're not transparent, then, you know, shame on you. I do think transparency is needed, but more than transparency is integrity. Um, and if we have that at the core, if the leadership of brands and businesses and families have integrity, um, we are going to be able to navigate our way through the difficult decisions because we will consider the impact on the other individual people within that network or that the impact zone of that decision. So um, I think transparency is very important. I don't think it's the most important. I think the most important is integrity, getting the heart right. When the foundations and the heart are right of a business um, or a family or anything, man, good stuff could come from it. But until that's right, man, it's just going to fall over every time. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And I really would love to see more people holding space for the people in the arena actually rolling their sleeves up and giving stuff a go. We need I think, to. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very harmful, this new rhetoric of uh, 
of Keyboard Ninja where less and less people are actually acting. They're just doing more fighting online. And then this is my probably beef against activism. A lot of people don't like it when I say this, but I say, you know, um, oh, I'm, I'm an activist. Oh, are you? Okay, well, just remember that the action part goes with it. You know, waving a flag, walking down the street. Mate, you, you didn't change a whole lot in my opinion. Yes, sure, awareness. Yes, there's importance to that. Absolutely. But if you're going to wave a flag, you better act as well. Um, that's my opinion. Um, and, and that can be through the purchasing decisions that you make. Um, you know, there was a, there was a, an incident I saw, saw happening here in Melbourne where the police were moving, um, some homeless people from one street to another. Um, we had the people marching up and down and how wrong it was and spitting on police, calling the police officers dogs. And the thought went through my mind at the time. I said, I wonder, wonder how many of these people waving these flags have ever asked if one of these people want to come home and have a warm shower and a warm bed, you know, um, because I think until we get to that point where we genuinely care rather than feeling we've done our bit from um, getting the bee off our bonnet, we, we're actually just a part of the problem, you know. Um, so it's about action, making good decisions, loving people, you know, even those that don't agree politically. You know, we have to love them. And, and at that point, when we can now communicate again, because we've lost the ability to communicate. If we have. Agrees, no one's listening. No, no, I, I just want to get my idea off my chest. And if you don't agree, then, you know, we can't be friends. Mm. Um, that's, that's a scary, sad place to be. And, and our, our world is there right now. Um, but I think that we're nearly at rock bottom. I would hope we're nearly at rock bottom. Where yeah, we can- I feel like that's what this yeah. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we've been chatting 12 months time ago. Wow, look, look how the world has changed. You yeah, know? yeah. We're seeing it. No, thank you for um, sharing that. I think it's a hard conversation to have and it's almost like people are scared to, to call that truth out of it, you know, um, but the more we do and I, I feel like we all need to start becoming a bit more humble to the reactions we have to what we hear from others. Perhaps we feel accused or offended and why do we feel accused or offended? And if you drill down real deep, maybe it's because there's shame around actually not having taken any actual action. And, um, and that's uh, a really important thing for us all to start becoming humble enough to see. Mm. Um, okay, so, so <laughs> this feels like the polar opposite thing to talk about. But I did want to ask you, how important is it that a celeb wears your stuff? Well, if you had have asked me prior to any celebrities wearing our stuff, I would have said, <laughs> no, not that important. Who cares? Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. it's just jeans. Buy them if you like them. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But, um, you know, post having experienced somebody like Meghan Markle and Leonardo DiCaprio wearing your product, um, I can say that it's a game changer for you. Um, and, and being able to have, you know, I mean, if, you, if we talk about just those two, I mean, they're the biggest two that have worn our product um, and hard to beat. But um, they both live out what they're preaching to, you know, when it comes to environmental. Leonardo is um, very committed to the, using his platform to create a lot of awareness. He invests a lot of money into innovation in the space. So an amazing, amazing um, you know, I would like to call him brand ambassador, though he's worn them a few times. Um, I've never met him or spoken to him, but um, I think that that's, that's so important. What it says, um, I mean, when he wore our jeans the first time and it went out, I had messages from so many people going, man, that is like 
for that guy to wear your jeans, that's the coolest thing that's ever happened to your brand. Like it's incredible. And yeah. how did it happen? How did you send them to him? Like how does it yeah. work? Well, you know, the incredible story. I was in New York and I was speaking to a fashion editor and, um, you know, he was, he goes, I don't even know who your brand was to be honest, but we we're about to shoot Leonardo and um, Brad Pitt um, in a shoot for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, he said, Leonardo said, well, if, there's, if we're shooting denim, get Outland denim for it. Um, and he's like, well, who the heck is Outland denim? So we get this, this Instagram message going, um, you know, Leonardo Cameron, we're like, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> um, but hey, let's send a couple of pairs and see what happens. You think he's going to be like a lookalike influencer? <laughs> and, then, and then we're getting like, you know, this, this guy's out there. I mean, we have a picture of Brad Pitt wasn't wearing them, but Leonardo is wearing the jeans and they're sitting there and this is like, whoa, man, like this is, this is just incredible. So, you know, but what it says is he's like, I'm going to use every bit of influence I have to create change. And here's a brand that's creating it. So that's really important because it, it ticks a couple of boxes, exposure. Um, you're on, you're on the backside of a really cool guy, but you're also, um, you know, aligned with somebody who's genuinely cares about the things that we care about. Um, if we talk about Meghan Markle, I mean, my goodness, like, I mean, my wife keeps kicking our PR, you know, advisors kick me in the shins every time I say this too, but um, I'm not the most up to date with popular culture and um, I've become more up to date, but I didn't know who Meghan Markle was. And um, when she got off that plane in Dubbo, Australia, wearing our jeans and I saw what happened, um, I was, we could only be shocked. Um, mm. you know, I wasn't uh, shocked as a long time fan of suits. I right, was like, yeah, yeah go outland. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, look, I, I, I think I maybe recognized her face when I saw who she was. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't watch a lot of TV. And so I, I'm just not up with the times, but man, she is a legend. And as I've researched her and learned more about her and I feel for her, the things that, you know, the, the challenges that they faced in more recent times, but you know, I think she's a genuine person, again, who aligns on values with our brand. Um, and I don't know if anyone could impact sales like she did. I mean, I wish I had millions of jeans ready to sell when she wore them, exactly the one she wore because they just sold. Um, you know, it was media came from across the world to talk about this unknown denim brand that apparently had this impact. But Alex, greater than any of those things, um, we employed 46 new people as a result of all on their product. And, you know, that brings tears to my eyes because, wow, like that woman changed 46 people's lives, you know, and what if that could keep happening? You know, what if we could continue at that rate, employing people that are in vulnerable situations, what would the impact be over the period of a year or 10 years or a lifetime? All going back to Megan Markle going, I will put my name behind this brand and wear it. And she has been so generous to continue to wear our product um, that it's it's absolutely changed our business. And I don't believe we'd be where we are with without Megan Markle. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And while this is just an audio interview, I can tell you when James said he had tears in his eyes, he actually did. I saw <laughs> them. I can see them. Yeah, um, amazing. To these kinds of uh, interviews with video, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think... Um, I think that is just so profound. So there's 46 people and their families because of what we spoke about earlier in the show that you have completely changed the lives of. 
Yeah, well, we haven't. They have. You know, that's the reality. It's um, they have. They've been given tools because of the amazing customers that go. I love my denim brand. I've always bought this brand, but I want to be a part of something greater. And they've changed, and they've spent two hundred dollars on a pair of jeans, and they keep coming back and buying more jeans. It's because of them that things change. It's not because of us. But uh, I guess the beauty of the ecosystem is, I, I guess, to a degree, we all have some part to play in it. What you're doing today in creating exposure for our brand is is creating change directly for somebody that is living in vulnerability right now. The person who's buying our gene, the retailer who stocks it and tell, talks about the story. You know, um, that's the beauty of this. Just the, the byproduct of a gene is that people's lives are getting changed, and so is the environment. And so. If we can just do all our products like that, then the world just changes and we no longer need aid. We no longer need charity, um, though they do such brilliant work. And don't hear me saying that we don't need them. Um, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. It's transferring more to the teach to fish rather than give a fish model. Absolutely. Um, because the give a fish model, people will always be hungry. The yes. teach to fish model, people will be able to prosper independently. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Such uh, a great conversation. James, I want to thank you for your work. Uh, thank you for joining me on the show today. I wish you every success, even in the tough year that is COVID-19. Let's hope it is just contained to a year. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> um, but I am very excited to see lots of low-toxes discover Outland Denim uh, from this conversation let us know, hey, if we, we collectively manage to employ another couple of people. Amazing. Yeah. Well, look, Alex, thank you so much. And, and I appreciate that you're, you're willing to, to share this story with your, your listeners. And thank you to all the listeners that do take the time to listen through this podcast. And um, I look forward to yeah, sharing any updates that we have in the future. Please do. Your newsletters are fantastic. So everybody definitely, even if you don't buy a pair of jeans today, subscribe so you can actually start to hear from a brand doing great by people and planet. Thanks again, James. Thank you. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.